We have seen throughout this perek that one who injures another person needs to pay him for five different things. Nezek, the actual injury. Tsar, the pain which was caused to him. Ripui, the medical bills which are necessary in order to heal the person. Sheves, the unemployment at which he loses out by not being able to work. And Boishes, the embarrassment which was caused to him when he was injured. Now, the last mission of this parak tells us that even if the person who injured the other one gives him all of the payments which are necessary, and he has paid everything, he is not forgiven for the sin of injuring him. Injuring is not just something monetary, it's also a sin, it's forbidden to injure somebody else. And he's not, for, he's not forgiven for that sin, until he asks forgiveness from the person who he injured. Shalema, as the Pesach says, when Avimelech took Sorah away from Avram Avinu, then Hashem came and caused him lots of pain, and Hashem appeared to Avimelech and he told him that and now return the wife of the man, etc. And the Pesach goes on to say that Hashem told Avimelech to ask Avraham to daven for him. Avimelech had become very ill and in danger of dying as a result of the sin of taking Sarah. And Hashem told him, give back Sarah to Avram Avinu and ask him to daven that you should be healed. Now, no one's going to ask someone to daven for them, especially in the situation of Avimelech, where he had gone against Avram Avinu. He wouldn't go and ask him to daven for him without first asking him for forgiveness and trying to appease him. So it is understood that Hashem was also telling Avimelech to ask Avram for forgiveness. So you see that it's not enough that he just give back Sarah, but he also had to ask for forgiveness. And the Mishnah continues, From where do we know that the person who is forgiving shouldn't be cruel? and that one should be willing to forgive another person. Shalem, as the Pasuk says, what happened when Avimelech really did give back Sarah to Avraham? It says, that Avraham did go ahead and daven to Hashem, and Hashem healed Avimelech as a result of Avraham davening that Avimelech should be healed. So it's apparent that Avraham did accept the apology and he did forgive Avimelech, and he even went ahead and davened for him. Says the Mishnah, one who says to somebody else, Samias Aini, blind my eye, Katas Yodi, cut off my hand, Shvaris Ragli, break my leg. If the person goes ahead and follows the other person's instructions, Chayev, he is liable to pay him. Let's say we're talking about Ruvain tells Shimon to injure him. Shimon would be liable. Now what happens if Shimon asks Ruvain? Once Ruvain told him to injure him, he asked him, Amnas Lifter on condition that I will be exempt from paying. And then Reuven answers yes. Even in that case, Chayev, Shimon would be liable if he goes ahead and carries out those instructions and injures Reuven. Because at the end of the day, we assume that somebody would never really tell someone to injure them, and they are not being totally serious. They don't give full permission for the other person to injure them, and therefore Shimon would be liable to pay all of the five payments for injuring Reuven. On the other hand, if Reuven tells Shimon, Karaz Kasusi, tear up my clothes, shvores kavi, break my jug, Chayev, he, uh, and Shimon follows the instructions, Chayev, Shimon is liable. Now the Gemara explains that in a regular scenario like this, Shimon would actually be exempt. The person is not so connected to their money and their belongings. If he told somebody to destroy his belongings, so we assume that he is being serious, and therefore Shimon would be exempt. The Gemara explains that the Mishnah is talking about a scenario where somebody gave, let's say Reuven gave an item to Shimon in order for Shimon to guard it for him. He went on holiday for a week, he told Shimon, guard it for me for a week. So Shimon becomes a shamer of Reuven, somebody who is responsible to guard his item. And whilst he is a shamer over his item, Reuven tells him, break it. 
In this scenario, since Shimon is responsible to guard this item, and the law is that if Shimon doesn't guard it properly, he's going to have to pay Ruvain. So he's already in a situation where if he doesn't guard it properly, he's going to pay Ruvain. So in this case, we understand what Ruvain is saying as break it, don't guard it properly, and you'll have to pay me. That is the assumption of what Ruvain means. And therefore, if Shimon breaks it, indeed, he will be liable to pay Shimon to pay Ruvain for it. However, if he asks Ruvain, I'll lift her. I'll break it on condition that I'll be exempt from paying for you. And then Ruvain says yes. In this scenario, then certainly Shimon can assume that Ruvain really does give him full permission to break it. And Potter, Shimon would be exempt from paying for that item. Now, ends off the Mishnah. If Ruvain tells Shimon, do such and such to a different person, Amunas Lifter, on condition that you'll be exempt, certainly in this case, Chayev, Shimon will be liable for whatever damage or injury he does. Bein Begufoy, whether he injures the other person's body, Bein Begufoy, whether he damages the other person's belongings. Shimon has not got any permission to do this, and if Shimon goes ahead and does that damage, he will be liable to pay for everything. And Ruvain will be exempt, even though Ruvain told Shimon to do it. Shimon is the one who did the damage, and Ein Shliach one cannot appoint a messenger to act on his behalf in order to do a sin. Even though when it comes to mitzvahs and other things, one is able to appoint a messenger to do something on his behalf. When it comes to a sin, one is not able to appoint a messenger to do it on his behalf. It's forbidden to do it, so the messenger shouldn't be doing it. And if he does it, then he is the one who is violating the Avera. And so Shimon is the one who will be liable to pay for any damage which he does in this scenario. The final two prokim of the Masechta discussed the laws of Gezela. The seventh parak discussed Geneva, which is when one steals something in secret. If he is later found to be the thief, then he needs to pay back the item plus its value, Tashlumi Kefel. He has to pay back double the value. And if it's an ox or a sheep and he slaughtered or sold it, he has to pay Tashlumi Abba Chamisha, as we learnt in the seventh parak. Gazela, on the other hand, is when one steals something by force. He doesn't do it in secret, such that the owner doesn't know that it's him. Rather, he forces the owner to give him something. And regarding Gazela, there is no punishment of Tashlumi Kefel. You don't have to pay back double the value. Rather, as the Torah says, the Haitian is like Gazela Gozel. He has to return the stolen item which he stole. And that's it. Now, why does the Pesach have to say that he, he returns the stolen item which he stole? Well, obviously he stole it, otherwise it wouldn't be a stolen item. What is the Torah adding when it says Asher Gozol, the stolen item which he stole? We learn from this Pasuk that he only needs to return the item itself if it is in the same state as it was when he stole it. So for example, if he stole a chair and he used the chair for a week or two, but it's the same chair, his obligation is to return the item itself, that chair. However, if it's no longer in the same state as it was when he stole it, for example, if he stole pieces of wood and he made out of the pieces of wood a chair, and he is not able to just take apart the chair and put it back in the state that it was originally, so then he is not obligated to return the chair. Rather, he needs to pay back the value of the wood which he stole back then. And the rule is, A gazlan pays based on the time that he stole it. So if it's still in the same state, so he gives back the actual item. But if he changed the state of the item which he stole, so we look at it as if he acquired that new item, the chair is his. He stole wood, but he turned it into a chair, and that chair, since he formed the chair, he is considered to be the owner of the chair, and he would need to pay back the value of the wood which he stole back then when he stole it.
Says the mission I go to eat some asan kalim, one who steals wood and turns it into a real item, semavasoy begodim. He stole wool and he turned it into actual clothing. And in these two examples, we're talking about where it's impossible to return that back to it was. You can't turn it back to wool and you can't turn it back to just pieces of wood as they were when he stole it. So in this case, he pays the value that it was worth when he stole it. But the item itself, he can keep. Gozal Parm Uberes, if he stole a cow which was pregnant, and after he stole it, Vyolda, the cow gave birth, Rachel to Unar. He stole a female sheep, a ewe, which was full of wool. Ugzaza, and after he stole it, he sheared the sheep. He cut off its wool, says the Mishnah. He pays the value of a cow which is about to give birth. Rachel or the value of a female sheep which is ready to be sheared. And many explain this to actually mean that he pays back the cow or the sheep itself, because the cow, the cow or the sheep itself hasn't really changed. However, concerning the wool or the baby sheep, here there has been a significant change. So he has become the owner of the baby sheep or the wool of the animal, and he pays back whatever the wool was worth or the baby was worth at the time that it was connected to the animal which he stole. Right, Gozal Porov in his Abra Etzloi. What happens if he stole a regular cow and then whilst it was with him, after he had stolen it, it then became pregnant. Violda, and then the cow gave birth. Or Rochel, he stole a female sheep which didn't have a lot of wool on it. Vinitolano Etzloi. And whilst it was with him, after he had stolen it, then it grew lots of wool. Ugzoza and he cut off all the wool, says the Mishnah Mishal He pays according to its worth at the time that he stole it. Because in this case, we view it as a real change. If the animal became pregnant, or if the animal grew lots of wool, and it didn't have any wool when when he stole it, we view that as a very significant change, such that the item itself becomes the thief's. And he only has has to pay back the value that it was worth at the time that he stole it. Now, this would apply also if he doesn't cut the wool off, or if the animal didn't give birth, even if it's just in the state where it's now pregnant, that already is a big change. So at that point, we view it as if the thief has acquired it, and he only needs to pay back the owner the value that it was worth at the time that he stole it. But again, the item itself, the cow or the sheep itself, he can keep. Says the Mishnah, this is the rule, any guzlan, a thief who takes something by force, pays according to its value at the time that he stole it, Unless, of course, he can pay back the item itself, and that will be in a case where the item has not changed significantly. Mr. Bates, goes up the him of his kino if he stole a animal and the animal got old, so it might no longer be fit to work so much. Or Avodim, he stole one of the other person's slaves for his kino, and the slaves became older. Says the he has to pay according to the value that it was worth at the time that he stole it, and he can't just give back the slave or the animal. It's considered to be a very significant change now that the animal is no longer able to work. So it's a different animal, or an old slave. The slave, the whole purpose of the slave is in order to work. If it's difficult for the slave to work now because it is old, we view that as a significant change, and therefore the thief has acquired the animal or the slave, and he needs to pay back the value that the slave or the animal was worth at the time that he stole it. However, Meir 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 says, but Avodim, regarding slaves, the thief can say to the owner, here is your belonging, your possession in front of you, and he's able to give back the slave himself without paying anything else. One cannot acquire a slave by stealing it, according to Rabbi Meir, 
And so we view the slave as continuing to be the possession of the owner. So the slave became old whilst it still belonged to the owner. So the Gazan just gives back the, the possession, the slave. That is the opinion of a mayor. Continues the mission. If somebody stole a coin and it became cracked, and as a result of it becoming cracked, it's no longer accepted as a coin in order to pay for something. People are much less willing to accept it as payment. Occasionally somebody might accept it, but in general it's very hard to use this in order to pay. Pay rice if he stole fruit, very kivu, and they became moldy over time. Yayin if he stole wine, hechmetz, and it became vinegar. These are all significant changes. Mishalom k'shasek zeila, and therefore he would only pay back the value that it was worth at the time of the theft. However, says the Mishnah, Matbeya, if he stole us a coin, v'nifsal, and the coin became invalidated, meaning in that country it's no longer an accepted coin. He can go and take it some, to somewhere else, and it will be accepted, but in that area, this type of coin is no longer accepted. Truma, if he stole truma, which is the produce which is given to the koyen, only koyenim are allowed to eat it, and it must be eaten in a state of purity. If the truma becomes tome, then it needs to be burnt. So this person stole truma, and after he stole it, the nitmes it became tome. Or chometz, he stole somebody else's chometz. The over of Pesach, and Pesach passed by, and this person didn't destroy the chometz. The chometz was still there whilst it was Pesach. And the law is that if chometz is owned by a Jew over Pesach, then it is forbidden even after Pesach to eat that chometz. Or if somebody stole the hema, an animal, the Nevda and a sin was done with that animal, meaning somebody turned it into an Avodazara, they worshipped the animal, or perhaps a person had relations with that animal. If that occurs, then it's forbidden to bring such an animal as a korban. So he's also damaged the animal in, in a certain sense, that it's no longer able to be bought as a korban. Or if the animal becomes invalid to be brought as a carbon on the Mizbeach. For example, it develops a injury or a wound, which is not necessarily recognizable, but it has a certain wound which invalidates it from being brought as a carbon. Or if the animal which he stole killed a person after he stole it, and as we learned earlier on in the Masechta, that animal needs to be stoned. If that animal was going out to be, to be stoned, in all of these cases, says the Mishnah, very surprisingly, the thief can say to the owner, Here is your item in front of you, you can take it. And he's not able to pay him anything. Because all of these things come under a category called Hezek She'ene Nikar. Hezek She'ene Nikar is damage which is not recognizable in a physical sense. It could be the value of the item went down. But since there is no physical damage which can be recognized in that item, the law is that he is, he is exempt from paying for the damage. And if he returns the item, we view it as having returned the full item, since in terms of the item itself, we don't see any change within that item. If somebody gives an item to a craftsman in order for him to fix it, or even if he just gives him the material for the craftsman to make it into something, and he makes it into something, even at that stage where the craftsman formed it into a new item, since he's doing it on behalf of the owner of those pieces of wood, for example, once he makes that item, we don't view it as belonging to the craftsman. He's doing it all on behalf of the owner. And therefore, that still belongs to the owner, and because of that, for Kilkeloi, if he then destroys that item, he breaks it, he would be liable to pay the owner, and he would need to pay the owner for the value of the item. Not the value of the wood which he received, but the value of the actual item, because at that point, it belonged to the owner. 
If somebody gives a carpenter, shida, a small wooden wagon, teva, a big wooden box or migdal, some sort of cupboard or closet, the sakain for him to fix it, to tighten it, to make it stronger, the kilkel, and the carpenter destroyed it, he broke it. Chavlishanim, he will be liable to pay for the damage, even though he's doing it in order to improve the item of the owner, he is responsible for breaking it. On a similar note, the Habanai, a builder, who accepted upon himself the job of dismantling and taking down a wall. And it's assumed that he's not able to break the entire wall and smash it into pieces. Rather, he needs to take it apart and keep the stones in their full state. And therefore, if he broke the stones, or if he caused other damage whilst he was breaking the wall, Chayim is liable to pay. He was responsible for that. However, if he was taking down the wall on this side of the wall, and a stone fell on the other side of the wall, that's not considered to be within his control, he, sh- he didn't need to expect that to happen, and he's not at fault, so Potter would be exempt from paying for that. However, if the stone which fell, fell because of the force with which he hit the wall, then he is considered responsible, Chayev, he would be liable to pay for that damage.